Monday, August 16th, and this is Season 6, Episode 2 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week, we have Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. We have Scott. Greetings and salutations. And I'm excited to welcome back to the podcast our, our own Rick. It's so nice to have you back, Rick. Hello! <laughs> I know our, we get a lot of questions about uh, when you're coming back on, so it's exciting to have you back. And I, and what an exciting match to have a conversation about. It's a great time to have you back with the, this great city match to talk about. Um, first things first, I did want to have a conversation. Uh, um, we have a question that I think probably is a good place to start because it really has more to do with the, the pub. And I know, Scott, you're out of town. Uh, but everybody else can kind of uh, react to this one. It's not not so much a question, but it comes from our own Peter. Um, so he 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 says, "Pod comment." Out of all the brilliant performances we saw against City, my MVP goes to Michelle from the pub. She was the only <laughs> one serving behind the bar the entire first half, and she smashed it. Hashtag one of our own. And then, for those of you who don't know, Michelle's uh, over the last six months has has kind of come on. Board, and we've actually gotten her tattooed um, with a cockerel. I think the uh, Lucas, you had something to do with that, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, I, I better. I, I said uh, she was getting a tattoo on her arm for uh, I think it was her grandmother, and it was something to do with like a cockerel or a chicken. And I was like, well, why don't you get the Spurs cockerel if you're going to be what if you're going to be our? She's going to be bartending most of the games now. I was like, you might as well jump head first in <laughs> so I, I better that she wouldn't do it if, if we beat i think it was like the lester game i said if we beat lester on the last day of the season you gotta get the cockerel tattoo and she followed through so hey. very impressive welcome it, to the ranks of tattooed people well and she was also peter's peter's bang on right she was fantastic yesterday um this was her first for the pub like this was the first time we had been fully open again with like no restrictions and a big game and a 10:30 kickoff against Man City to start the season. We knew it was going to be kind of hectic and packed in there. And for her to be by herself and was just smashing it for that whole first half, it was awesome. Yeah, we, yeah, we did warn them that there would be a lot of people there, and they didn't really abide by the warning um, until until the fire alarm went off and <laughs> the emergency people turned up about I don't know 30 minutes before the end of the game. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, yeah. I think Why they the fire it alarm out now, though. No, I, I, no, I, no, the proverbial fire alarm. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I like to think that they figured it out now, and it, and it is new ownership, and they haven't dealt with a non-pandemic uh, match day, so um, so we we've got to give them a chance. But Michelle killed it, and uh, and uh, I think the the pub realizes now that they they need a couple people on bar, or at least a bar back to help support her and run food and stuff. But was it would have great. Bigger, was it bigger or smaller than Arsenal? Um, it, uh, Norm, we, we had about, about 90 to 100 people is what Michelle estimated. And uh, she was no, the smaller. bartender, so she'd have a better idea than, uh, than, than me. You should, you should warn her about the Arsenal games then. <laughs> <laughs> but, what, but what a great, great day out it was. It was nice to be back at, at the pub, uh, every, everybody back out, good singing, and, and and what a performance to get excited about. And uh, and that's what I kind of want to roll the conversation into. So this Manchester City match, I think most of us went into it not feeling particularly good. I know everybody who was on the podcast last uh, week uh, all predicted draws or losses. Um, 
I think there was very few people even in our group as a, our podcast chat group uh, as a whole that were predicting wins in this one, um, especially with all the question marks around Harry Kane and uh, of, of it, whether he'd be available, um, how we're going to set up Ramiro coming in, but not, because of the injury not being ready to play at 90 minutes yet. Um, it, it seemed a little bit bleak, um, only balanced out a little bit by Manchester City had some injuries as well with uh, De Bruyne working his way back. And um, there, so, so there was some balance there, but we all know that their bench is uh, has a lot more depth than our bench by <laughs> the imagination. So, um, so I, I don't think any of us were feeling that great about it. But then uh, I, I think it was an excellent performance. So I kind of want to start the conversation and, and, and ask the question. Um, I think we saw a, a good tactical plan here. Um, has this has the this result in the performance that we saw changed anybody's opinion about Nuno or confirmed their opinion if they were already kind of on, on board with Nuno? Um, let's start with Lucas first. Um, I think it's a little early to, um, I like, we're all pretty jacked up about the results. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to start diving too far one way about the result because it is just one game. But um, I think it was really nice to see, and it was really encouraging to see at least like the effort was there. And even going forward yesterday, like, I think I saw more in the first five minutes from that group of guys than I saw in that entire league cup final uh, in what was that in April when we got blasted by city and it's like, we only lost that game one nil, but I mean, I don't even think we had anything. La Celso had like a shot in that game that was close, but other than that, we had nothing even resembling an attack. And so to see these guys respond under Nuno in that way, that they definitely seemed like they were buying into his, his message. And it looked like we were really to stand toe to toe with city. And I'm, I get that that wasn't the full city squad, but, um, we don't know what our squad really is yet either. So it was really encouraging to see those guys go out and try and take the fight to city, um, win or lose. That's how you want to see him play. And I was really proud and excited about that. Well, and, and just to kind of, uh, piggyback on, on that, Lucas, like you're, you're, you're somebody who has often said a lot last season that like, until we get a better group of players, um, it doesn't matter who coaches them. Cause they're just not going to be, uh, they're just not good enough to perform at this level. But we, we have a pretty we had a pretty similar squad to last year, but we got a very good performance out of them. So do you think they're um, can you give the credit to the coach? <laughs> yeah, I definitely can. And um, I just think that it's also <laughs> important to remember that when I say like these players, these players are always like I've been the first to rip on a lot of these guys, but these guys are always capable of putting that game together. What we need is that consistency. Like, I thought Sanchez and Dyer were fantastic yesterday. But I don't think there's anybody on this podcast or any one of our guys that would say, I feel comfortable going into a season with those two as my center backs for the rest of the year. Yeah. But That's on true. any given day, we can see that they're able, they're both talented players. They can step up and put a game in together. But it's like, can you be doing that week in and week out? Week in, and week under. Out. Yeah. And with Sanchez and Dyer, I haven't seen anything that says that they can do that on a weekly basis. But yeah. there think, were times last year where Dyer was like our best defender for like a few weeks at a time and sporadically was having these games. Serge Aurier was the same way last year where it's like 
three weeks in a row, he'd be our best defender. And then all of a sudden he would just go MIA for a week. You're like, so if we could start to see some, if Nuno can start to get these guys playing on a consistent basis. Yeah. This, this group of guys is certainly capable of doing some fun things. Yeah. Well, let's go to Scott. I think this, uh, I think it all goes back to uh, the, the fact that um, Mourinho was so negative. Uh, I mean, even with Mason's uh, brief tenure at the, at the helm, we saw more energy. We saw more, more life to the team. Um, I think the the team really has uh, dug in with with. Uh, I mean, I, you're right. It's it's the first week of the game, first week of the season. But from that first week, from even the you know, if you chop off the first 15 minutes, they had one of the best games I think I've ever seen. I've seen them play in a long time, um, especially throughout the Mourinho. Uh, you know, tenure. Um, I, I think I think that goes a lot to saying that the the energy and the positivity of the of the squad has actually gotten better, even with this you know stupid ass Harry Kane rain cloud hanging over everybody's head. Yeah, uh, well, Rick. Well, the, the one the one major thing that I saw was, as Scott said, it was the energy level. Um, but it wasn't just that. It was the stamina level of the players. You know, they could, they could make runs, they, they could uh, you know, press and tackle, and they did it the whole game. Under Mourinho, um, obviously, there were, there were rumours that he was um, training the players in a more tactical way and not a physical way. So it, it looked like a lot of the times last season, it looked like the players were not fit for 90 minutes. Whereas in this game, you never saw, you know, you didn't see any players um, looking gassed after 70 minutes. It, didn't, it, it just didn't look like that. Um, so I, I think the players are certainly buying into um, the fitness training. Um, and I think Newman actually said it himself. He says, right now, because we don't know what the squad is going to be by you know by the end of the window, we're just working on fitness. We're not really working on tactics, um, <laughs> um, which which is a surprise to me because obviously they went into that game with a game plan, um, knowing that City would dominate the ball, and 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 their basically game plan was to disrupt them in 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 sort of the middle third of the pitch. Try and win the ball. I mean, I mean, attack them with as many players as possible, and it worked. And it worked throughout the game. I'm, uh, if you look at the statistics, I, mean, I think they had four shots on target, one of which Hugo had to save, and we had three who scored two goals. So you know, uh, the, the game plan worked perfectly. So no, I'm very, I'm very pleased with Nuno. Um, uh, you know, he's making all the right noises. And he's saying all the right things, um, and you know, you, and there seems to be a happiness um, apart from apart from one idiot. There seems to be happy happiness and harmony in the squad. So, um, I'm no, I'm all for it right now. I think a lot has to do with the uh, the fact that the crowd noise was there too. Uh, I think that kept people's uh, energy up throughout the game with just the simple fact of. You know, having sixty-five thousand people there screaming or you know, scheming and chanting. I, I think um, it's a, I think it's a really good point because I think I think we're one of the teams 
where we need crowd motivation. Um, you know, our players really do respond to it. So, no, sorry, Scott, I didn't mean to interrupt. But, no, um, that's fine. no, I was done. That's Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah I, I, and the individual performances showed that there was some motivation, there was a better fitness level. Um, and I think we can probably move the conversation into some of those individual performances. And I wanted to start in kind of a weird place, uh, but I wanted to talk about Deli Ali a little bit. Like, I, I think Deli Ali at the beginning, it looked like he may have been a little off. He wasn't getting a lot of touches. But by the end of that match, he had done more running than anybody else on the pitch. Like, he, 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 he was like a box-to-box midfielder. Like, uh, did... did a, a heck of a lot of uh, dribbling. He was, he was a. Uh, I, I think it was a surprising performance because uh, um, we've kind of seen him uh, mediocre in the the preseason. Um, we know that he's ca- kind of shifting positions a little bit, but I but I was actually kind of impressed with the overall performance. I don't think he was the best player for us, but uh, but I I think that was an important part of our success. What do you think, Rick? Um, I, I I get the feeling. Uh, I, don't, I haven't heard any quotes, but I get the feeling that, that Nuno has said to Deli Ali, um, "Do your work, you know. Do the work. Do the work that needs to be done. This is what you need to do. Yeah, you need to close down midfielders. You need to hold on to the ball. You need to distribute very well. We all know Deli Ali, you know, as skillful as any player in the league. We know he can, you know, arrive late in the box and score goals. And in the past." Um, he's been a um, um, a player where um, you know he might score a goal and do an assist, and then do nothing else in the game. Whereas I think Nuno has got to, got him to do the opposite of that: do everything in the game, but don't do the flashy stuff. You don't need to do that. You know, let's get let's get a baseline of um, being a consistent midfielder that does your job. And eventually, at some point, when your when your uh, you know when your confidence level is really high, you can add the you know uh, the flashy stuff and the goals and everything else. But your baseline should be be a consistent midfield player, um, and don't, and don't drop below that. He also yeah, looks I, like I he gives a you. shit. Yeah, I, I agree with both, uh, a lot of what you're saying there, uh, Lucas. You wanted to respond next, I think. Yeah, I think. Um... Rick put it pretty well right there. I think it was really impressive to see Delhi, like Rick said, not doing any of the flashy stuff. But, I mean, the way he was able to break up play for City and not let them get into any kind of rhythm uh, in the midfield was so important yesterday. And Delhi's always one of those, like, he has that potential where if you just watch him for 90 minutes like he did yesterday, it's like all the stuff he was doing was so vital to what we were trying to do going forward. And to, like I said, just the way he was able to break stuff up for city was, I mean, it was so vital for what we were able to do. And I, I was so pleased. And if we could get that deli on a weekend basis, like, like Rick said, if that's his baseline that we can establish and have him not go below that, I think that's an absolute asset to have this season. Uh, absolutely. And, um, and and I thought it was a pretty good pairing to have the defensive duo with him there in the midfield of Hoybier and and uh, Skip. Like, and there was a couple of rough points for Skip early on when he was kind of getting his footing, but after he did, he was doing a good job of backing up Tanganga, who we're going to have a nice long conversation about eventually. Um, 
he, he was doing work to, to back up and protect there. Um, and like, and I think he would, was backing up, uh, Delhi and other people when they became overmatched. Like, like I, I really thought that combination worked well, even though I think there were times that they both looked like they were getting overmatched for a little bit, but they did a good job of protecting one another, which is what you want to see out of a midfield. Like, especially when we're, we are overmatched with, by the opponent, uh, Rick. Yeah, what, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, I, I think this was a midfield designed for, you know, the better clubs. You know, having the two holding with Deli Ali floating in front of them. You know, I'm hoping, you know, when we play the lesser clubs, we won't need two holding. We'll play one holding and, 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 and you know, and two more progressive midfielders. Um it, it, it just—it it seems to me, you know, I'm just—I'm just really pleased because it looked like we had a game plan, whereas last year it was, um, the, the game plan didn't seem to accommodate who the opposition were. This is how we're going to play and match the end of that. You know, it's like, um, you know, Mourinho had a, you know, try and get an early goal and then defend the rest of the game. Where, yeah. I mean, I mean, and 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 it was just so. I mean, Scott and I, you know, um, during during the lockdown, we used to um, um, uh, zoom the games together. We 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 uh, FaceTime each other and watch the games at the same time. And some of the games, we would end up talking about random shit because we weren't weren't even watching the game. <laughs> it was awful, um, awful to watch. And 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 uh, Sunday's game was just a complete breath of fresh air. It really was. It was you you, you know. The fans, the fans in the stadium obviously made a huge difference, but the fans were engaged and we were engaged watching it. You know, I don't, I don't think I missed a minute of the game. You know, because I was, I was so enthralled with the way we were playing. It was, it was just so brilliant. So to, to everything we, you know, any game we played last season, even the Man United six-one, which I, which I contend we actually lucked into that that, that six-one win. Um, but you know, there wasn't a game last season that was anything on a par with, with yesterday's game. Well, and with those and those midfielders, the two holding midfielders, kind of protected the limitations of the defense that we have. And I think we're like Ramiro when he comes in to, uh, for for full matches and has been training with the team for a while. He gives us some added protection back there. So I think to your point, like I think it will be easier to to go with maybe one holding midfielder once we we have like a center back pairing that we're feeling more confident with. Um, not that they performed bad in this game. I think this was a really good performance for both of our center backs. But um, but I think the two holding midfielders is kind of a good strategy given that we have Dyer Sanchez there and there's been questionable defense out of both of them. Um, and I, I think not it this was. game. <laughs> no, yeah, not this game. This, I mean, game they, uh, this game they did uh, surprisingly... I was shocked at how well the defense played this. this um, uh, now, what the, the, you know, the intangibles are to why they had such a good day is beyond me. But uh, I was very pleasantly surprised at, at both the, the play of uh, Sanchez and Dyer. Well, in that that Sanchez tackle at the end, uh, which it must have been on uh, De Bruyne, right after he came on, I think there was like a key tackle that that was just magnificent by Sanchez at the end, and there were, there was a lot of that throughout. I mean, there was um, 
there there were some KG moments, but but on a whole, like they they kept everything together. They kept the structure. They seemed to have a plan that worked. Um, uh, Rick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't want to put um, too much um, praise on Sanchez, but I'm going to. Um, the, the last ditch tackle you're talking about, where he, he slid in, won the ball, and made a made a nice pass. It was Ledley King esque. It really was. Um, and and if he can do that on a consistent basis, you know, all the better for us. I mean. Um, yeah, the, the, the defence played really well. They, they didn't really get in behind us. They were attacking our left, our, our right, but their left, um, most of the game with uh, Sterling and Grealish, and, and Tanganga had a, a, a fantastic game. And one thing that maybe had gone unnoticed, but every time Tanganga won the ball, um, he passed it down the line, and Lucas, was, uh, Lucas Mora was always there to receive that pass down the line. So that that, that was obviously um, uh, a tactic by by Nuno to say, look, um, when when Tanganga is, you know, defending and he, and he clears the ball, be available on that right wing to receive the ball. And it happened time and time and time again. And it was it was really great to see. Because normally um, um, I, I hate to again compare us to what happened last season, but Normally, what would happen is that the, the, the fullback would win the ball, and he would just lump it up in the, into the midfield, and we'd lose possession. But this time, it was it, there was a design where you win the ball, you, you put it down the line, and there's going to be a player there waiting for it. And it was, I mean, it was Lucas over and over again. It was really great to see because because when you were watching, you were thinking when you're watching the game, you, you know, after after it became obvious what they were doing, when when Tanganga went in for the ball. You're thinking, oh, he's going to put it down the line, and Lucas is going to get it, and that's exactly what happened, and it, and it was great to see. Well, and Tanganga, like, I mean, he 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 defeated uh, Jack Grealish in, in so many different circumstances. Sterling, like, I mean, it, it really was incredible. But the, a player that um, is essentially not playing in his first choice position, uh, but I think he's better there, um, is doing did such a magnificent job against the. This is also a player that City. was mentioned. Uh, it was also mentioned that he was going to go on loan like last week too. Yeah, so to Galatasaray, like they had an agreement worked out. Yeah, which it, which would be a shame, I think, at this point. I I I really hope that that's not the case. Well, they're, they're trying to um, um, buy the Asia player. I keep I keep I keep forgetting his name. Tommy Yasu. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. And he's yeah. he's a right back, centre back um, combo. So I, I, I'm thinking maybe last week they thought that deal might might be done, and that's why Tanganga was rumored to go. But that deal is dragging on for some reason. We don't know. We don't re- really know the reason why. Um, but yeah, I, I, it, Tanganga had a great game. Um, I, I want to get on to the referee in a little bit, but I'll let Lucas go first. Go, ahead, Lucas. Uh, no, I was just I was uh, I was going to touch on the the loan thing right there. Um, because I, I don't understand, even if we bring in this other guy that's uh, like Tamiyasu and you can play uh, like a hybrid of right back and center back, like even if that's the case, what sense does it make to put Tanganga out on loan when Serge is clearly not part of Nuno's plans? So we have I mean, Dorothy. If it doesn't look like I, I mean, it doesn't even look like he was given Doherty a. Doherty wasn't even really playing that much in like the preseason anyway either. 
I don't know if it's injury or whatever, but I would much rather see us keep Tanganga and let him, uh, even if it is Doherty, they can push each other for spots. Um, Cause I think that's one of the things we saw last year when we got such a great fall out of Serge Aria was when we brought in Doherty, it looked like that pushed Serge to actually raise his game. So if we can have Tanganga and Doherty or the new fella, like if, if we can have them pushing each other for spots, I'd rather have that than just send out Tanganga to Galatasaray. And that doesn't really do much for us. I, I think just a just a quick point, like, uh, and then I'll let you go, Rick. I I think the idea is that um, that he wants to use Doherty and uh, when he does drop to a three at the the back and as as more of a wing back when he wants to use that as a, a strategy. Like, uh, but I don't. I think Doherty is going to be more of a role player. He's not going to be uh, like a, a standard right back. I think on a whole, he wants a more defensive minded. Uh, uh, right back and let Regulon attack on the left uh, like crazy. I think that's kind of what Nuno's going for. I, th- I uh, think he hit it on the head. I think he wants to. I think eventually he's going to want to uh, implement the three three center backs and the the wingers. Um, and I think that that's that's probably ultimately where we're going to going to go. Um, well, I I just want to temper our expectations a little bit um, because. You've got to be aware that Tanganga is ridiculously injury prone. Um, he gets injured all the time. Um, so I'm wondering if the, if the loan was to actually, you know, build him up and um, get, him to, get him to game time and get him, you know, get him um, to be a regular player without just getting stupid injuries, which which he seems to pick up all the time. So that's my only caveat with with Tanganga. So. Um, yeah, I, I, if he goes out on loan, then we obviously have to get someone else in. Um, but if we don't, you know, you know, at this point he played so well, I think they probably changed their mind about sending him out on loan. He just needs to, you know, he came off in this game. I don't know whether it was a knock or fatigue or whatever it was, but he came off near the end and Doherty came on. So you know, I'm hoping he didn't pick up a knock, but he is injury prone. He, he got a bit of a wear over too in front of that crowd, which was cool. Oh, he did. Yeah, he got he got he got a, a great reception when he um, he, you know, he walked past the, the seventeen thousand fans in our south stand. Um, uh, one thing I one thing I do have to say, you know, I, I've said this before in the pod, um, especially when we were building the stadium. Uh, our stadium is just magnificent. It just it, you know, when you, when you see it fall like that and, and you see the crowd, you know, um, it, it, you know, so enthusiastic with the players and, you know, it, it's just the best stadium in the world. It really is. Football stadium, obviously. But um, it, it, it's just so brilliant. It's, it, it, it gives you chills just looking at it. It's, it's crazy. Well, I do want to talk about the, before we leave players behind, I do want to talk about the attack a little bit because I think, we we got some good performances out of our uh, attackers as well. I mean, obviously, Sun with the the goal, which was a magnificent goal. Um, I didn't even think it was uh, something that was going to be close to going in when it, when I saw it score. Um, but I I do think that despite having the yips and missing his uh, goal scoring chance, I think Bergvine had a very good performance too. 
Um, he did a lot of what we want him to do, and we already kind of talked about Lucas, like uh, like being able to collect the balls from Tanganga and uh, really perf- perform on the line. But I thought they were all working together very well here. Uh, Lucas? Yeah, I think um, you just said, you mentioned Lucas right there. I think you can't talk about that goal without at first bringing up Lucas Mora and his effort in the, to win that ball and flick it on to Bergvine was such a beautiful play. And and Bergvine again, yeah, you're right. He um, Bergvine looked very threatening going forward. Um, the thing with him is it's all in his head. His confidence, I, I just, I don't know how to get back to that Bergvine that we saw in the first couple weeks upon when or when he first got here. It seems like for a long time now, I, I think he was, what do you have, like one goal all of last season? Like he has such a, he has such a potential to be a real goal-scoring threat and be involved the way he's able to run down those like channels. Like he was acts, he was so pivotal in a lot of the counterattacks that we were having yesterday. He just doesn't seem to have that full confidence like Lucas Mora does or like Sonny does. Um, it seems like he might be in his head a little bit, but if we could get him back to his top level of confidence, I think there's a awesome player to have there in our attack. Um, yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. Um, I think, you know, if we go into the Harry Kane situation, um, the three players that we had yesterday were very good for counters, I think. Very good. You know, they're all speedy. They're all, uh, the movement is great and everything else. And the one player that's not good at counterattacking, funnily enough, is Harry Kane. He's usually the one that passes to the counterattacker whether it's Son or Lucas or whoever. Um, he does it well. <laughs> yeah, he does, no, he does it very well. Um, but obviously that's because of the limitations of the midfield. Now, if we get the midfield, you know, uh, working well, we won't need Harry Kane to do that. What we will need Harry Kane for is, is when there is no counter-attacking opportunities against teams that are, you know, two banks of four, parking the bus, and that's when we need, you know, the hurricane magic around the box, you know, um, and you know from corners or whatever, to, to break down these um, stubborn teams. But for, for but for counterattacking, the, the funny thing is, for the better teams, we actually don't need hurricane <laughs> in a funny way. But we need him for the shittier teams who are gonna you know park the bus. Um, I I don't know what's in hurricane's head. Um, uh, you know all all the all the rumors and you know paper talk and everything else. But if you actually look at actual official quotes that are coming out, Harry came has said nothing for a week, you know uh, since his um, his um, uh, admission about being late and it was you know uh, pre-organized that he would be late. Um, he has said nothing since. Uh, the management have said nothing. And there doesn't seem to be any movement. And, and he's been included in the uh, Europa Conference League, you know, squad. So, uh, you know, if he, if he plays in that, uh, basically, if he plays in any game in the next two weeks, I don't think he's going to get sold. If he, if he refuses to play in, in you know, uh, up until any game, up until the, the transfer deadline day, then, you know, I, I think he might get sold. Well, as far as like the transfer part, we are going to have a 
brief conversation about after uh, that after we finished City. But um, I do think you queued up a good question that we had uh, that does have to do with Harry Kane that has to do with the City match. Um, and that's uh, that comes from Kyle Mates. And Kyle Mates asks, uh, what are your thoughts on the fans cheering Harry Kane? Are you watching? Is that uh, pushing Probably. him out the door or fueling him, uh, fueling his fire to play for Spurs? Um, I don't think we can do. I don't think we can do anything about how Harry Kane feels. I think Harry Kane's going to feel how Harry Kane feels, and I I really enjoyed the fact that they they were chanting that. Yeah, I think I think so, Lucas. Yeah, I loved it. Um, I'll be the first to admit that I absolutely loved it. Um, it was a great statement from the fans saying, "Look, we're we're not Harry Kane FC. You know, we're Tottenham Hotspur, and we're bigger than just you." And whether it's whether like, the question it asked is that pushing him out the door or is that fueling him to play for Spurs, I don't really think it matters. I think once a player has it in his head that he doesn't want to be here anymore, um, that's his choice. And I think that we're going to have to move on anyway. So whether he walks this, he's not going to be here. He doesn't want to be here. He's not going to be a lifer here. He's not going to spend his career, his final years of his career here. So if he wants to go, I'm okay. As long as the right money comes in, let's do it now. What, there's no sense prolonging it for another year when I don't think he's going to be around next season. So I say rip the Band-Aid off now. And I don't think us singing had an impact on whether or not he was going to stay or go. I think that's already in his head. So yeah, uh, it is what it is. Well, um, uh, uh, the first thing, I thought it was really funny. <laughs> I, 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 I completely loved it. Uh, the second thing is... Um, I think he's got some insight into what's going to happen uh, if he does play a home game for us in whatever competition um, in the next couple of weeks. I think he has some inkling that um, he's going to realise how much he pissed off the fans. Um, it's not going to be pretty. In, um, he doesn't in, already know that? Uh, I, 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 I think he's so much of an egomaniac at, at this point but he just is not paying attention to anything right now. Um, well, the fact that he didn't even like in the past when when we had a good performance and a good win when Harry Kane wasn't available because he was injured or something like that. Harry would always be out there tweeting uh, to to yeah. support the rest of the yeah. squad, and in the fact that he's just kept silent about the the result and in everything related <clears throat> it tells you a lot about where Harry's at. With the uh, where the rest of the squad is at, it does uh, seem well, like he's yeah, Anthony, a little bit. You're, you're right though, because usually at least like he's gonna put out like an Instagram post or a tweet or something, being like proud of the boys today, good three points or something. And it was just crickets. There was nothing. So I mean, to to Scott's question when he said like, do you think Harry Kane doesn't already know that? Like, I agree with Rick. Um, like seeing rumblings on Twitter and social media and stuff from angry fans is a lot different than when you get in front of that stadium and there's 62,000 people giving you the cold shoulder. I think that's when it's really going to set in um, for him. But I got to think he already knows what he's his in his head. Like Rick said, I think he probably has some understanding as to how this is going to shape out. But, but for him, um, it, it's a very um, bad situation. Um, it, it, he's dealing with Daniel Levy who set a price and said, pay that price, you can have him. And if they don't come up with that money, 
you know, he's not going to go, he's not going to, you know, all, all the newspapers and all the media are all going, oh, it's up to Daniel Levy now. No, it's not. Daniel Levy has, has, has put the mark in the sand and said, this is, this is, this is, this is the level. And, and if City want him, pay, you know, that, you know, you've got to meet that level. There's no negotiating that's going to go on. There's no, oh, we'll give you this and we'll give you that and we'll give you bonuses. No. You pay 150 million, you can have him with our blessing. Well, and actually, I, I think my, his my price part, went my up. My frustration is the. Me- I'm sorry, Scott. I didn't mean to step on what you were okay. saying. Okay. Uh, um, uh, my frustrations with the media, like, and why is it all about? Well, Spurs are uh, negotiating. No, it's why isn't exactly. City meeting the asking price? I mean, it's like they know what they have to do to get them if they want them. So shut up or uh, put up. Because it's, because the media the media are on their side. Yeah. You know, they're, 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 they're portraying us as the bad people, saying, you know, Spurs is the bad one. Saying, yeah. oh, Spurs are being stubborn, they should let him go. And da, 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 da. No, we, we'll let him go if you pay the price. Well, if you don't pay the price. It's, it's, why, why are we backing the oil well, giant? I don't get it. Like, why is the oil giant the one that <laughs> we want to, uh, say, like, well, get the... Uh, Rick's really point is... <laughs> It, it, it doesn't make any sense when you think about it logically and like as a business transaction. I don't walk into a Lamborghini dealership and say, all right, I'll give you 20 bucks. Where are, <laughs> we, making this? Where are, we, st- where are we starting these negotiations? No, there's a price. You either buy it or you don't. You can't just walk into a Lambo dealership and say, ah, well, I can do 30000 I think. Like, no, you're going to pay what it is or you're going to get the hell out of there. And I don't get why. Yeah, like Rick is saying, where the media is kind of spinning it where it's like, Oh, Spurs aren't letting him leave. It's like, look, they said you can go a city, and it's you know, city doesn't have the money. Like, come on, this it's, yeah. the whole thing is ridiculous. But I think, I think Harry Kane already knows what he wants to do, and I think he, even with the rumblings of him extending the contract and stuff, I'm sure that's all just about reworking things so that next summer it can be a smoother transaction with clauses and other shit on his way out. But. If Lukaku is Lukaku is worth 100 million, Harry Kane's worth 175 at least. I mean, yeah. flat out. And and after this game, to see how desperate City does look for a striker, it should be like 200 million now because of the fact that like they they desperately need it. And so you know, it's it's not up to us; it's it's up to City. And yeah, it, yeah. And that's what that's what I'm saying. That Harry Kane's in a bad a bad position because um, Daniel Levy is not going to you know he's not going to budge. And and if if they don't stump up the money, then Harry Kane is our player for the next year, and he's going to have to put up put up with all the crap from the fans, um, you know, for at least three or four months um, until we've slightly forgotten about it well and i think to your point like he's in this bad position because of uh the choices that he's made like you know he chose to use his brother charlie as as his agent which was not a smart move they they made these stupid maneuvers that that didn't make sense like uh like the the media article before um uh the cup final the uh, well, well, well they rolled they rolled the dice they rolled the dice before city bought Grealish. Yeah. And, and and the moment City bought Grealish, um, they were always going to be, I mean, ha- how stringent the financial fair play rules are. 
but they were always going to be in a sticky, sticky situation, having paid 100 million for Grealish and then having to pay 100, 150 for Kane. You know, people are going to go, no, you can't do that. That's, you know, uh, uh, we don't care how much money you make. That is not, you know, under uh, financial fair play rules. You just can't do that. Um, and, and they're having to recoup money by selling players. Um, and then they're, 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 you know, there are rumours that they're trying to get Harry Kane at a lower price if they offer us players. But Daniel Levy is adamant. He's like, no, it's 150 million or, or excuse my language, fuck off. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you're, you're right. Um, since we're on the topic of Charlie Kane, I, we do have another question on it. And we will bounce back to City and do our MVP, LVP. Uh, but I think we it was very natural how we came into the Harry Kane conversation. So I wanted to continue with it. Uh, but Brian Barbas asks us, uh, at Dr. B. Barbas, um, if Charlie Kane was not related to Harry Kane, uh, what would his career be and how bad would he be at his job? Um, now, I think this comes from the online today. There was a lot of uh, a lot going on on Twitter where everybody was uh, kind of uh, make poking fun at Charlie Kane and uh, yeah, I uh, saw all that. making bad decisions and like everybody had uh, a different joke. So I think that's probably where the origin of this. But does anybody have opinions on Charlie? Um, he's an idiot. Yeah, he's a, he's. A, I don't want to call him an idiot necessarily, but he certainly doesn't have the skill set to be an agent. Um, no, he, no, he really doesn't. Um, I mean, I've met him. Nice enough guy. Like I, uh, he did. It seemed like he had a good New York job. I mean, he was. Uh, um, I don't know how much of him his money came from. Uh, from Harry, but when he was in the city, he seemed like he was doing well for himself. Nice enough guy, but just doesn't have the skill set to be an agent. And he, well, it, well, imagine being the brother of uh, Harry Kane, where you look like him a lot. Um, you know, you act like him a lot, but you have none of the skill. It, it, he must have a massive inferiority complex. Um, and he is just not um, able to be an agent. He just really isn't. Um, no. uh, well, any final thoughts on that, on Charlie, before we uh, uh, go back and do MVP, LVP? I, am, I think uh, let's bounce back to the City match. Uh, there'll be plenty more to say about Harry, but really we just have to wait out this window and uh, we'll have this conversation probably one more time next week. And then I think we'll probably get to the window at that point and we'll be able to uh, uh, know whether he stayed or or left, and uh, we'll be able to move on with our season from there, uh, one way or another. Uh, but um, let's start with Lucas first for MVP. Um, my MVP, I'm going to give it to Tanganga, um, just because of the the big role that he was asked to do, being on that right side, shutting down Sterling and Grealish. Like that's not an easy task for the most experienced of fullbacks. Um, so. I was just so impressed with the way he played yesterday, but I did want to give special shout outs to pretty much everyone. I thought everyone stepped up. It was so great to see Skip out there. Skip looked like he was Skip looked like he didn't care if he was playing Norwich against like Burrow or like QPR or if he was playing Barcelona in a Champions League final. It doesn't look like Skip cares. It looks like he's got one level and I love to see it. Um, he was just going at those guys, and Tanganga was the same way. It didn't seem that they were intimidated by City at all, and 
they really made strong cases that this is where they belong, starting in a Premier League top six side. Yeah, good, good shouts there. Uh, uh, let's go to Rick next for MVP. M- MVP, um, um, you, you you could pick one of five, six players easily. Um, but the one I'm going to pick is Lucas Moura. Um, you know, he was attacking and he was making himself available, as I, as I said before, for, um, for helping out Tanganga. And he was all over the place. And he was the one person... Really, when when the midfield was crowded, that he was um, trying to go past people uh, and make things happen, uh, and he really did. He, uh, I mean, he's really turned into a really good player. You know, he for, for his whole time with us, he's been sort of a, a bit part player. You know, he would come on as a sub, um, and he would he would he would rarely start games. And now you can't you can't envisage. A starting eleven without him, um, you really can't. He he has to start games now, um, and I really hope he he can keep it up the whole season. He played really well. Yeah, no, I agree. He was very good, uh, Scott. Uh, it's a it's a combination of Lucas and Tanganga. Um, I think they both really. Um, battled through the game, um, obviously one on defense and one on offense, but uh, I, you can't, that's, you can't really name an MVP without really thinking about the whole team, though, because it, it really, it was a team collective win. Um, nobody was, was, you know, everybody kept their, you know, held their water and, and carried their water and whatnot. Um, it really wasn't, it was a whole team effort, and I think that's that's what uh, I think that's what we've been lacking for quite a while. Yeah, I think you got a good shout. I think for me it has to be Tanganga, but I want to give an honorable shout out to since you guys have kind of already hit on the the, the skips and Hoybiers of the world that that deserve honorable mention. I, I want to give my honorable mention to Sun. Um, Son was asked to be not that he hasn't done the job of uh, striker before, like, uh, but we were without Harry Kane, um, and we needed to get a goal from somewhere. And Son uh, found a magnificent way to, to to get a goal. And yes, he had uh, help from all the other guys that we've mentioned, but um, but I, I, I it goes without saying that the, the man that that re-upped his contract and uh, says everything right about wanting to be part of the club uh, definitely deserves my honorable mention after scoring a, a goal this match. Um, so yay, Sonny. I'm so glad that he's sticking with us. Um, well, uh, any final thoughts before we go to the half? Are we going to do LVP? Oh, yeah. I guess LVP. Uh, does anybody have an LVP? Uh, yeah. No. Yeah, I do. Basically, because every everybody played their positions very very well, and the only one person that, um, even though he had all the enthusiasm in the world and all the you know all the runs and everything else, he was playing striker and was through on goal and didn't score and he should have scored and that's Stephen Bergwin. But you know I, I'm only saying that because everybody else did their job almost perfectly and he's the one that just just didn't do it 
as perfectly as you, as you should have done. See, I disagree with you there, but um, uh, I, I just think he did such a magnificent job other than missing the, that goal. Like, uh, but, but, that's, but that's his job. You know, if, if you're playing one or three strikers, your job is to score. That's, uh, you know... I, I thought maybe you were going to say Regulon because like, he didn't um, contribute, have to contribute as much. But, uh, Lucas, what do you have? Yeah, I was actually mulling over in my head whether or not I was going to have the heart to do an LVP today. But I now that Rick has said it, I'm going to just tag in with him because that, that is the one area that I was thinking in my head. If, if I had to give an LVP to anyone, it was going to be Bergvine. And I think the big thing is because it wasn't – to me, it's more of a pattern that we've seen with him lately because of his confidence. Whereas I, I, I can't remember the last time he was through on goal and actually scored it. This seems to be his thing now is he's consistently finding themselves in these threatening positions and doesn't seem to be able to put it away, which is what we need him to do. So if we need, if he's going to be a part of like in getting a lot more starting opportunities and stuff, at some point, he's going to have to figure it out in his head and start finishing these chances because we're going to need those goals at some point. Well, we'll put it put it this way: um, we we know we know we signed Brian Gill or Hill or however you say it. Out of that starting eleven, who is Brian Hill going to replace? It's going to be Bergwijn. You know, yeah. you're not you're not going to not play Son. You're not going to not play Lucas. You're not going to not play Delhi. And the two holding midfield players. So who's the one player he's going to replace? It's it's Bergwijn because he's not putting himself in the position where he's like Lucas uh, becoming undroppable. He's not doing that yet, and that's that's what he needs to work on. Fair points, definitely. Uh, Scott, do you have anybody? Uh, I'll just second and third what they said. Um, okay. They they pretty much covered it. Okay, well, f- fair points. Uh, uh, I'm going to hold true, and I, I don't think anybody deserves it. I don't think even Bergvine in this one. But I do agree he's going to have to finish out these yips and fig- figure it out and figure out a, w- a way to finish. Um, but uh, I think that's about good for the half. Um, so uh, second half, we are going to uh, preview both uh, the Conference League uh, uh, qualification match that we have Thursday and uh, the Premier League match away to Wolves on uh, Sunday, um, and we'll talk a little bit about transfer rumors, but uh, but first we're going to go to our halftime segment, Luke's Locks. All right, boys, welcome back. Let's get some free money here. Here's your free money for picks of the week. This week we're going to have some overs, so get ready to root for some goals. First one we're going to do, Leeds at home to Everton. Uh, take the over two and a half goals. Leeds are coming off that thrashing they got away at United. Uh, Everton is more than capable of scoring some goals, and they looked in good form last week. So I think we're going to see a lot of goals in that game. So take the over. Uh, Another over, we're going to jump to Arsenal as at home to Chelsea. Two and a half goals is the over on that one as well. Uh, Arsenal obviously got embarrassed against Brentford in their opener, and they had a couple of attacking players sitting out with Lacazette and Aubameyang. So, Look for them to bounce back and score a few goals. And Chelsea is going to have clearly zero trouble getting through Arsenal's back line because they're a disgrace. So look for plenty of goals in that one as well. Now I'm going to feel myself a little bit here with a rare Spurs win prediction. So hopefully I'm not jinxing us. But Spurs are minus a half a goal away at Wolves. 
Um, I think our players are definitely buying into Nuno's philosophy. And I think having Nuno in this game uh, gives us a huge advantage because I don't think there's a person on the planet that knows Wolves as much as he does. So he knows that team inside and out. Um, look for Spurs to continue with the momentum and get a win away at Wolves. And the last one is back to taking the over. We're going to take over two and a half goals in United at home against Southampton. Uh, United's on firing on all sil- uh, cylinders offensively and we're surely going to get a couple goals and probably a couple penalties because it's United. And Southampton is going to be playing at home for their fans. Um, so look for them to grab at least a goal or two as well. So over two and a half goals in that one. There are your four free picks and let's go get rich. Okay, great. Well, thanks, Lucas. Um, I've got to start putting some money down and uh, winning some back because uh, I, uh, I haven't been jumping in uh, to all this online betting as much, but I definitely appreciate the advice. Uh, um, I don't even know how to online bet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe well, I should uh, take a class from Lucas. Yeah, we, we, you should teach us all how to do it. Then we can all become like, uh, um, I don't know, like a... Pool. Yeah. Or... <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey. If you trust the process, if you trust Luke Blocks, it's free money that I'm handing out, and nothing's better than after you drop 50 to 100 bucks at the pub watching Spurs, it's always nice to just be able to reload that money for free. So free advice is here, boys. Well, thanks so much. Um, So before we uh, preview these two matches that we have to preview, I do want to have a quick conversation about transfers. And we we did a lengthier conversation last week. Tommy was on. He did a lot of the research for us on that. Um, but on a whole, I think the biggest rumor that's going on right now is that we're, we're clearly um, what I'm seeing is with Paratici, he he's casting the net wide and like he has some positions that he's looking at and he'll look at four or five, sometimes up to ten players at that position. So you just see these rumors just flying that we're we're looking into this guy, we're looking into that guy. And I think it's all true. We're looking into them, but um, it's difficult to say which ones we're most interested in and, until it gets to the real negotiation point. Um, but, uh, Rick, uh, w- what uh, what uh, rumors have caught your eye this week? Well, it, it's not so much rumors. It's um, the way we're going about it now. I mean, Paratici, um, I'm completely in love with. Uh, um I, I just love the fact that he's so well connected and, um, and and the way he does business is, you know, he, I, you know he, he talks to the management, he talks to the manager, he talks to the chairman, decides the budget, decides what we need, and then goes out and, and decides these are the five, six players that fit that profile, and I'll try and get one of them, you know. Uh, whereas before it was always the case of um, let's pick a player and then go for him, and if it doesn't work, we're you know we don't know what to do now, and uh, we have to find another player and go for him, and if that doesn't work, we're you know we're we've wasted four weeks and we don't and we haven't got anybody. Whereas now with Paratici, it's more like um, identify the five or six players that fit the profile that we want. Uh, and then test the water and see, you know, which one we can actually get, and then get them. Um, it, it, it's just a, a much better way of working, and I'm, I'm, I'm really optimistic 
more than I've been for a very long time, that the players that we buy are going to work, you know, whereas, you know, everybody talks about the Gareth Bale money being wasted. It was never wasted, you know. We bought and then we sold, so we regained a lot of the money we, you know, we, we got for Gareth Bale. But, but a lot of the players that we did buy just didn't work. Um, and I think, and I'm hoping, well, and I have a lot more optimism now that when we go out and buy someone, when we actually buy someone, um, that they're going to fit into the team and they're going to work. Um, so I'm, you know, I, like I say, I don't have a, a specific transfer room of our herd. I just like the way we're going about business now. Well, and to, yeah, and to your point, the, like, I think the fan base sometimes gets very worked up because they say, oh, like another rumor and like, uh, why are these not happening? I think it is because he's casting the net so wide. So the rumors are getting out there and in Twitter that it looks like uh, we're waffling. But I think it's a, a well-laid plan. And, it's, uh, it's, 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 more, it's, a, it's a designed plan. Um, because, because, you know, we, you know buying, buying and selling players is, is not easy. You know, you, you could want this player for, you know, uh, you know, apart from when, if you're Man City or Chelsea, buying players is actually quite difficult. Unless you're Man City or, or Chelsea, where, you know, you go for a player, they go, well, give us 97 million. And they go, OK, and the transfer is easy. Um, most all other clubs have to negotiate a price, negotiate a payment plan, and, so, and then negotiate with the player. And it takes time. So, you know, I, I don't get frustrated about rumours at all now. Um, I, I just like the way we're going about um, doing the business. Yep. Uh, Lucas? Yeah, um, I think I, I'm kind of with Rick where I don't really have, there's not any specific rumours that I'm keeping my ear to right now. For me, it's more of which players are going out. Um, I'm really, right now, I, I get like, I don't want us to try and panic buy or force in new transfers right now for the sake of getting transfers. Right now, I'm really concerned with, let's try and get some of the dead weight on this team off. Let's unload the guys that aren't going to be part of our future, whether that means Sissoko, Serge, Ndombele, Winks, uh, even a Sanchez. I don't know uh, if his plans or if he's in our future plans or not, but for me, if the guys aren't part of Nuno's plan, I want to see those guys exit in this window as quick as we can to just just be done with the dead weight. Well, what, what, I can, what I can see happening um, is going to be the complete opposite of what has happened to us in the past. Okay, I can see us going the next couple of weeks, buying maybe one or two players, maybe hopefully three. You know, we need a we need a you know a centre back, a right back, and uh, a central midfielder, maybe a striker as well. We, you know, um, but what I can see happening is on transfer deadline day. We're not going to be buying anybody. We're going to be selling. And when the, when the clubs are suddenly desperate, you know, when the clock is ticking, we're going to go, well, you can have Sissoko for 15 million. You can have Winks for 30 million. And, and when clubs are, you know, um, are, are desperate on that last day, we're going to be the one ones that they're going to be giving the money to. Uh, I, I can really see that happening. You know, we might not get rid of anybody you know, for the next couple of weeks. But on that last day, I could, I could see us selling three or four players. I, I think you're right. And I, I was going to put it a different way. I think we're waiting to, to 
to figure out who we're going to buy before we sell. And also you have the added benefit where you're um, uh, it's not a, yeah, like, like you said, a desperation buy. So like we know that we are going to get like uh, maybe not all the money, but like, let's say if we buy another center back for 30 to 40 um, million, like, uh, well, if we sell Sanchez or Dyer or somebody prior to that for, for 20, we get some of that money in. We before we make that sale, we we make our purchase, so the price doesn't go up at the last second on that player that we're trying to buy in. Um, so, um, so yeah, we we have control over when we sell, and uh, we're doing it strategically. I think that's a that's a, a very good point, Scott. We're finally doing transfers as a an actual like big club and not like a the the last second you know red nap bait switch sort of transfer season which has always been something that i've hated about this club that it you know they always well i can't say always but in my time my tenure as as a spurs fan has been you know waiting till the very last second and and getting those kind of crappy deals and lots of times they'll fall through because i mean i think the history of the club would have been a lot different if we had like gotten um moutinho or or jao jao moutinho um or you know some of these people like oh Grealish, like last year or the year before like what what would happen if we had gotten him but you know it fell through at the last second because of well who knows but i suspect it's because you know somebody was Dealing a little too hard. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I can, I, I, I can definitely see. I, 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 have always been a proponent of buy first and then sell, because if you sell first, people you know you've got money, and then you buy at the last minute and you end up paying more money and maybe missing out because the prices are too high, um, and then you end up with, you know, missing positions in the squad because you didn't handle the, the transfer window correctly. This way, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're in for a lot of players. We're probably going to buy at least two, I think, hopefully three. And then when we transfer deadline day, it's going to be Tottenham is open, you know, open for business. Buy, you know, buy all the players that we don't want to get rid of. Um, and, and obviously with Daniel Levy, um, people are going to end up paying through the nose for what we consider mediocre players. Yeah, it's. I think it's a nice change of strategy that uh, Daniel Levy didn't do well. And I think that he's finally recognized that he needs to have somebody else to, to mediate. Yeah, he still probably is the one setting the budget and saying like what, what we can afford to spend, but let somebody else figure out how we're going to spend that uh, to, to get the most for our maximize. So yeah, I, all good points. And I think that's probably the, uh, the more important conversation than who we're going to bring in at this point. Um, I, but yeah, I, I, we're going for a number of positions and it'll be interesting to see, see who we end up with and see who goes. Uh, and I do agree. I think it's going to be the last couple of days of the window that, that, that we, we do most of the selling unless we're going to loan some of those players. Maybe there be, might be some that go out on loan with options to buy that right after, uh, the yeah, either or, either or, yeah. As, yeah. as long as they're off the, the wage bill, yeah. fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, um, great conversation there, but we have two matches to preview, so I want to keep us moving along. Uh, so um, 
I want to start the conversation with this Thursday. So we're in the Conference League. I know a lot of us weren't very excited about it. We did talk a little bit uh, earlier about um, some of the roster decisions there. Um, um, one of the things that I, th- I think we're going to have to talk about is, uh, and Dombele didn't make the, the roster for, this, uh, for these qualification rounds uh, of this Conference League uh, that we're entering um, this Thursday. So we probably should have a conversation about that as we preview this this match, but uh, <laughs> but let me set it up first. So uh, this Thursday we take on uh, Pacos de Ferreira away. I think I got that pronunciation close. Um, Thursday, August 29th, that's 1.30 p.m. here in Chicago. Uh, currently they sit in 12th place in Liga Portugal with uh, three points. That's one win <laughs> and one loss. Uh, they, they did uh, play on Monday, so they're coming off of a shorter rest than us by a day. Uh, they had a 3-0 loss to uh, Bovista. Um, prior to that, they did have to play a previous uh, qualification round against, against uh, Larn. They lost to them. Um, prior to that, they beat uh, Femalinko. Uh, <laughs> they beat Larn in the Conference League uh, prior to that. And then they had uh, a match uh, against uh, Gil Vincent. In 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 their league, their version of the League Cup in Portugal. Who are these people? We <laughs> <laughs> knew this was going to happen with the Conference League. That like, uh, well, I got I got a real quick thing, uh, you know, about us not being thrilled about this competition. Uh, I don't think Spurs are even thrilled about this competition because up until this morning, this 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 fixture wasn't uh, like it was not on the the website. It was not on the the app. Like they like Spurs were like not acknowledging that this was was going to happen on Thursday (laughs) (laughs) up until this morning. (laughs) They they do have they they do have an extra day rest than us. They after us, they they, their next home match is going to be uh, Monday, the the following um, following this match. So they have a little bit more time to rest after us. I'm kind of interested in their top goal scorer's name. Uh, There's actually two with one because it's an early season. But the first. Their top goal scorer is Nuno Santos, um, so uh, I'm sure it's a common name in Portugal. Um, uh, Lucas Silva is, also has one. Uh, um, a couple guys with assists. Uh, we're not going to recognize any of these names, so I'm not going to bother with their <laughs> ratings. Uh, lots of guys with just uh, just using one names on their uh, uh, jersey, and uh, uh, we don't have any historical matches against this side to uh, to talk oh, about. Surprise! So. Surprise! So uh, it's it's definitely uh, we knew that this was uh, going to be like going to Finland on uh, Thursday night, uh, but but uh, but it's something to watch, and I'm uh, I'll go out and watch it begrudgingly, even though I think it's kind of a stupid competition to be in, and it's a good chance to see some of our younger players get an opportunity. So, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this? There doesn't uh, seem to be that many young players on the squad, though. That's true. Yeah, like when you look at that squad list, like you would think it would have been like a a lot more of like uh, right the, of the Dane Scarlets of the world and right. Yeah, but the, you, um, if if you are if you're under twenty one or under twenty, you don't have to be included on that list. You can make it just play. Oh, that's oh, right. no yeah. I did okay. did hear that. So that's why a lot of young guys don't appear on that list. Yeah, because they because they can just be added to it regardless because yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, or before pre-homegrown, I guess is what you would call them. But uh, this, uh, what what I would say about this game, if this was last season, I would be worried. Um, 
because we had lots of situations where we'd have a good win, um, well, a, a win, maybe not a good one, um, and then we'd come up against someone that we should easily beat and and not and not beat them. Um, whereas now, I think Nuno has got the squad so fired up and energetic that it doesn't matter who the opponent is going to be. It's going to be, this is how we play. You know, we play at full throttle all the time. And, and you know, I think we're just going to wipe them out in the first leg. And the second leg is going to be completely irrelevant. Uh, but that's kind of my take on what's going to happen. And it's certainly possible if we if we take them down away, then like the the home match, we can just kind of cruise in. Um, well, there's, remember, there's no away goals rule now. So. Yeah. Still, um, if they have they have theoretical advantage at their home ground, so yeah, it's not the same situation as previous years. But um, yeah, what, what is the size of their ground? Uh, how, are they, how are they doing? Uh, how are they doing? Goals like goal ties now. Then, if there's no away goal rule, it just goes straight to extra time in that second game. Oh, okay. Extra time and then penalties. So it's, okay. it's exactly the same. It's just, it's just you don't get the bodies for, for scoring away goals. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, well, l- let's have a quick conversation. Uh, should we read into too much Ndombele not being on this squad? Is uh, we know we know in the past that he has said things about um, maybe not being uh, um, happy at the the, the squad. Um, obviously, he hasn't. We haven't seen much of him in uh, preseason. Um, Have uh, we seen any of them? No, we haven't seen any of them in yeah. preseason. Um, should, should we read much into this, Rick? Um, the, the take I have on this is this is a unique problem. This is not the problem we've had in the past couple of years. In the past couple of years, it seemed to be fitness. It used to be, you know, I'm going to get a niggle and I'm not very fit, so I'll play 60 minutes and they have to be taken out. Um, I can't dominate games and so on and so forth. This seems different. He seems to be fully fit, but it seems to be that you know he just he just had a child, and I'm wondering if there's some sort of um, um, bedding in period that he needs to have, you know, to get his home life sorted out, um, you know, and, and and I think Nuno is just giving him some time to just settle himself mentally. Um, I, I, I think it's I think he's physically able to play. I just don't I don't think he's mentally able to play right now because of all the you know, with a with a new baby and everything else. Um I, I just think maybe Nuno said to him, look, okay, take a month, train with the team, do as good as you can. Um, and then we'll 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 reevaluate it in, in at a future date, and and that's because he's not he's not being considered for games. He's not even you know on the bench or in the squad. He's just completely out, and I think that's a deliberate thing. It's but it's not a game by game decision. It's more like um, you'll you'll start being considered after this date, kind of thing. Is that acceptable for a, a record signing, Lucas? 
<laughs> no, I, mean, I, I think you knew where I was going to jump in on this one. Um, to me, that's like, I think Rick has a point. Maybe that is the way it's being handled um, in our camp. But I mean, this is a professional footballer. Like this is being treated with this level of kid gloves is insane. Um, this is a guy that we spent a lot of money on, um, invested a lot of time and energy into. And it's like, if, if, if you can't be asked to, I mean, you had a kid, you didn't have a kidney removed. Like, okay. Like, be a professional footballer. We need you to play. We need you to, I, I just, I don't see how he fits in Nuno's plans moving forward. If we're consistently like this early into Nuno's tenure as our manager, we're already dealing with this level of nonsense from Ndombele. It's like, I, I just, I got to think, just get him out, get him out, take what we can for him and get rid of him now. Cause I just, I don't see where he fits in. Um, I think it's been, it's been too long. This is his third year, and to have this minuscule level of output from him is a massive disappointment. And I think we need to just cut our losses now. Um, well, that, what, that, that's why I think there's more going on than we... Well, I'm not saying I agree with this, but that's why I think there's more going on than we realise. There's something up with him. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I don't want to throw out, you know... Um, speculation of rumours of things that I have no evidence for but he could be dealing with a drug problem or an alcohol problem or something, you know um, and, and, it, and it just seems like it, it seems like because he was not involved in any of the pre-season games, not, in, not involved in any of the squads it just seems like um, you know they've set, a, they've set a target for him and, and, and until that target is reached, we won't see him play. Um, whether, you know, like I say, I don't, I don't agree with that. I agree with Lucas. I think you should man up and, uh, and be bigger than that. But, you know, there's lots of stuff um, since the Olympics about, you know, the mental um, side of being a sports um, person. Um, so I'm wondering if there's some mental issues going on that we're we're dealing with, um, because you know we've seen him train and we've seen videos of him and he looks physically fit. Um, so I'm just wondering if there's some underlying thing that we have no knowledge of, and maybe if we knew about that, we'd be more sympathetic to the situation. Um, but right now it just seems like he's not ready and. Um, he's being a bit of a baby, um, but I think there's more going on than we realize. I agree that there might be more, but yeah, I, I think I kind of fall in t- t- with Lucas here that he, he needs to man up and uh, do a job. And uh, like uh, he, he's our record signing. Uh, he clearly has a lot of talent, uh, but he doesn't seem to be able to put it together on the, the, the pitch, either whether it's mentally or physically. Um uh, with fitness, um, I do think it's probably time to cut our losses, but um, I just don't know where he would be able to go. I mean, I think he's got to go back to France, but I don't know that there's French but, teams that can afford him at this point. Yeah, there's there's no French team that's going to pay what yeah. we would what we would consider he's worth. Yeah, apart from apart from PSG, and they're they're yeah. so in trouble with financial fair play right now. 
they're not going to pull out 50 million for a player right now. Not, 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 a, not a player like Ndombele. That's no. a big risk. And, um, you know, I think he needs to, I mean, we could try and loan him out and uh, just at least recoup um, his salary or uh, like, or maybe with an option to buy if he really that's, does. But maybe support. what he needs. Yeah. He, he might need a, a loan to some, you know, easy French club um, just to get, you know, be surrounded by, um, you know, like-minded individuals and, and get him settled. Um, uh, maybe, maybe uh, and get him playing regularly. That's maybe what he needs. Yeah, and maybe it's a, a Scott. Yeah, I think you wanted to jump in with something. Oh, I think I'm on the opposite end of this. I, I think he's too good of a player to give up on just yet. Um, I think uh, giving him one more year to really, you know, either get his shit straight underneath, you know, um, or, you know, next year we'll we'll hawk him on the on the cheap. But I I, I see the potential in him, and I think that's. It's too much to give away cheap. Yeah, no, fair, fair points. Uh, let's go to MV or to predictions for this one. Uh, so let's start predictions. And Scott, since you were already going, how about we start with your predictions on this uh, Paco's de Ferreira? <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be at least five, five to one. Um, I. Uh, maybe they get one. Um, I kind of want to go five nothing, but I'll go five one just to just because um, they're they're in the Portugal league. They've already lost one by three. Um, I can't see us not rolling over rolling over them. Um, now that has a little bit of a caveat. Whereas if we show up in the field as absolute garbage. That might not be as high, but I think I still think we we win. But I'll go with five one. Uh, who are your goal scorers? <laughs> um, that's the hard part. Uh, go with Skip. We'll go with uh, we'll go with Regulon. Um, let's see, Sun with two and. Some other random guy. <laughs> um, Boy Bear. Why not? Okay, uh, let's go to uh, Rick next. Um, I, I think we'll win 4-0. Uh, Stevie B is going to get a hat trick. <laughs> and some will get the other one. Okay. Uh, and uh, Lucas, what do you have? Uh, I have a 3-1. And I have our goal scorers, our son, Bergman, and LaCelso. Okay, I like that. Um, I'm going to say 4-1. Um, I'm going to say LaCelso because uh, he hasn't had that many minutes yet, so I could see him getting some playing time here. Um, I do think Bergvine gets some minutes here, and uh, he scores. I'm going to say Doherty. And I'm going to say Sessegnon. Um, he w- did play a bit today. Um uh, so I, uh, he is get, coming back to fitness. I'll, I'll say that he gets some minutes here in, uh, in Sessegnon scores. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, uh, we have one more game to preview, and I think this is kind of an interesting one for our second match of the season uh, after such a good performance against City. Uh, we get to take on Wolves away this Sunday, uh, the uh, 22nd, and that's 8 a.m. here in Chicago. Uh, so Wolves currently sit 14th place in the league w- with zero points. They have zero wins, zero draws, and one loss. Uh, 
They have a negative one goal differential, which uh, explains their place in the league. Uh, they're, uh, they're, most recently, they lost 1-0 to, uh, away to Leicester. Um, upcoming on Wednesday, the 25th, they do have to take on Nottingham Forest and uh, qualifications for the Carabao Cup. Um, and uh, they also take on uh, Manchester United at home on Sunday. Uh, so they've got a busy week after us. Um, they have no goal scored yet, no assists yet. Uh, their top-rated player has been Adama Traore with 8.28. Uh, Kijana um, is behind him with 7.41, and Max Kilman with uh, 7.40 behind him. The last five times that we faced uh, the Wolves, uh, most recently uh, um, in May, we beat them 2-0. Uh, we drew them in December 2020, uh, 1-1. Um, in... Uh, March uh, of uh, 2020, we beat them. Um, I'm sorry, we lost to them 3-2. Uh, we beat them in December 2019 uh, 2-1, and uh, we lost to them 3-1 in December 2018. So uh, we've had mixed results against Bulls, but I think we have a great advantage here with uh, having their former coach, who knows their weaknesses, um, and can probably create a good good game plan in Nuno. So let's start with Rick. What do you have? Um, I, I think who, whoever set up the um, the fixture list is taking the piss. So we, we get Man City first who who came on and then we get the the team that our, form, that our manager formerly managed. I mean, someone's taking the piss. <laughs> um, um, I, I don't see Wolves as being much of a problem. I really don't. Um, they were they were very injured last season, um, and and they ended up being pretty terrible. Um, I I don't think they're going to be much different this season. Uh, you know, I think they're going to be in, in a little bit of a transition. Um, they may have even lost a couple of players by the time we play them. You know, there are rumours about Troy. Uh, we were even linked with Troy, but I think the latest team to be linked with him is Liverpool. Um, so they may, they may even be even weaker um, than, you know, from now by the time we play them. So um, I, I honestly don't see them as a, much, of a, much of a problem. Uh, Lucas? I think one thing that's going to be interesting this season is... Uh, that we got to kind of remember is that these stadiums are now going to be full again. And that's something that we saw uh, yesterday with how our fans were and how up for it our fans were and what a boost that really gave us. So Wolves played away in the first game against Leicester. So this is going to be their first game back uh, in front of their fans. So that could be something that we got to kind of take into account is that a lot of these places they are going to be playing in front of their fans again. Um, it's going to add a different, uh, dynamic to the game but I actually do like the fact that I think this is a good time to catch Wolves because as Rick had kind of mentioned in the first half we had like we know that like a team like City is with how we want to play right now we don't know how we're going to play against a team that wants to park the bus and we have to try and break them down right now it seems like one of our best strengths is to go against a team that wants to actually attack us and provide that open center of the pitch for counterattacks and stuff like that. 
And Wolves is that team. Wolves is going to come at us and they're going to try and take the game to us, which could be very beneficial for us because it might just be, we might see a very similar type of game that we saw yesterday, but instead of it being Man City, it's Wolves. So I think that could be something that works in our favor. Again, the Nuno thing with Nuno being their manager last <laughs> like the last couple of years, I think is going to be beneficial to us, um, kind of know what areas to exploit. But um, yeah, I have a good feeling in this one. And I think that, like I said, I think guys like Lucas and Bergmann and Son are going to have a lot of free reign to be running down those alleys in the center of the park. <laughs> Who's even their manager right now? Do they hire a new manager? Or are they working on a on a caretaker manager? Um, I would have to look them up, to be honest. I don't know them off the top of my head either. It's, uh, mm, okay. Um, I, I, I agree with both uh, sentiments from the other two gentlemen. Um, I, uh, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher of a game, um, obviously, than um, the one midweek. But uh, I think maybe like a th- uh, I'm thinking 3-1. Uh, are we doing predictions yet? <laughs> we can do predictions if you want. We're okay. rolling into predictions. Uh, I think I think it's going to be a three-one. Um, I think uh, Harry is actually going to come back for this one. Um, I don't believe he is going to be sold this year. Uh, I think he's going to you know plug through. Uh, so I think he's going to get two, and uh, then uh, Lucas will get a third. Okay, uh, so their head coach is uh, Bruno uh, Bruno uh, Lage. Hmm. Oh, he was hot. Wasn't he with like Benfica or something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like uh, I I do remember him coming in. Now that it was mentioned, but like it's uh, Wolves aren't a team that I follow that closely. Um, Rick, uh, you had uh, uh, you're still on mute. Uh, yeah, I think um, with with this Wolves game, I think it would be best for Harry Kane if he's going to play and he's going to stay. It's probably best for him to come back at an away game because then you know it it would give him a lot of credit in the bank. Let's say if he come back for an away game and scored a couple of goals before he comes to a home game, I think that would probably be the best way to handle this situation. So I, I could see him coming in for this Wolves game. And um, I agree with Scott, I don't think he's going to get sold. Uh, Man City, uh, if they really, really wanted him, maybe they just paid up and and, uh, and and Levy would have went, OK, you met the price, go. Um, so I, th- I think I think Harry Kane's going to come back for this game. He's going to score a couple of goals and we'll win 2-0. Who are, you, who are your goal scorers? Harry Kane, two. Oh, oh I'm sorry, you did say brace, yep. Um, uh, okay, uh, Lucas? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a close game. I think we're actually going to win 2-1. Uh, and my goal scorers are uh, Sun and Lucas. I like that, Sun and Lucas. Um, I do think that this is... Um, we're set up, even though this is an away match, and it is gonna, uh, we're going to have to get used to playing in front of uh, opposing fans again. Um, I do think that we do have that new no advantage and like he knows these players well, he knows their weaknesses. He's going to know how to tell 
Spurs to set up. And I think we are by far the more talented team. Um, so I think he can prepare us well to, to, to handle this match. So I do think we're going to hand uh, well by, I, I think Nuno's going to, uh, w- when we annihilate them, I think he's going to take, handle it very gracefully and not, not over celebrate in front of, uh, uh, the Wolves fans, because I think he is just that type of decent human being. Uh, but I do think it's going to be a a five-one victory, and I'm wow, gonna, yeah, I'm going to go high scoring on this one. Um, I do think uh, there's a good case to be made that Kane will make it in. So I will say one Kane goal. I'll say two Sun goals, uh, a Lucas goal, and a we'll say a Bergvine goal. I uh I would like to see Bergvine uh kind of work out the yips and and uh, especially if he's going to be playing in our team uh, regularly. I think that could be uh, uh this could be a good opportunity for him because I think uh, uh there are are a lot of holes in this team's uh, um, defense right now and uh, there might be some opportunities for us to put some goals, um, especially after I don't think they looked very good at all this weekend against uh, Leicester. Um, any final thoughts just in general before we wrap up the podcast? Um, we, after the third game of the season, we could be nine points clear of Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> but they, yeah, actually, we didn't talk about that, and I think that might be a good way to wrap up the podcast. So we, uh, we, we got to watch Arsenal lose to Brentford first thing, the first match of the Premier League uh, season on Friday afternoon, and, and what a great day that was to, to see them go down 2-0 uh, to, to the Bs just coming up from uh, um, from relegation so just recently promoted and um, what a what a day for them and their fans uh, uh, my favorite part was them saying you're just a shit Tottenham Hotspur <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that was great yeah um, <laughs> yeah because they've got Chelsea next and then Man City so yeah we, we yeah. could easily be nine points clear of them. That th- that is something to keep an eye on, and yeah, I, I think they are positioned really poorly for the start of the season. They're going to have a rough go of it, and they're definitely going to have to to make up some lost time with the league in general. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be very good this year, to be honest. Um, uh, they could still make some acquisitions, maybe some panic acquisitions <laughs> before the window closes, but. Um, but yeah, it's it's nice to see Arsenal kind of struggling even more than us. So, um, I'm old boy. I'm old boy. We're their fans pissed. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I watched some Arsenal fan TV that day, and I don't usually do that. Like I'm not the guy that just uh, spends like an hour watching Arsenal fan TV. But I enjoyed like a good 15, 20 minutes of it uh, uh, on Friday. <laughs> well, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Well, thank um, you. Oh, no, I, no, I think it was a great win. Um, Nuno's doing a good job, like I said before. Um, he's making all the right noises. And if he can get Harry Kane back on board, I think we'll have a good season. Um, I, I don't think um, you know, we'll make top four. Um, but uh, I think we'll have... I think we'll enjoy the games a lot more than we did last season. Yeah, I think and on the, and on that note, on that note about enjoying the games, I just wanted to say my final thought was uh, great atmosphere yesterday at the pub. Great to see so many faces back. Um, so I'm I'm really excited to be to have everyone back out and looking forward to watching games with all you guys at the pub. It's a great yeah. day. Yep, definitely, Scott. Anything? 
I hope to come back up to Chicago fairly soon to see uh, see all my friends, and uh, I'm 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 excited for the season. Yeah, no, definitely. I, uh, I, 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 it's been so nice getting meeting new people, new faces, and and seeing old faces that I haven't <coughs> seen uh, in in a long time come out uh, for this opening day match. So what a good time! But that well, about wraps up the episode. Well, well, one more thing, uh, you know, uh, Scott and I are actually going to meet up at some point early next month. No, oh, yeah, we, we might we might be enjoying the game uh, against Crystal Palace with Albany Spurs. Albany, which will be, which will be yeah. brilliant. Oh, oh, oh Albany, uh, yeah, de- definitely. Um, I, I've met some guys from Albany, and definitely a good, good group from what I hear. Uh, um, so, so definitely just, for that. Yeah, uh, so I just, I just wanted to give a, give a shout out to Albany Spurs. Yeah, so mm-hmm. if Al- Albany Spurs has any listeners, uh, definitely look out for Scott and Rick uh, stopping by. Um, uh, but that about wraps up the episode. So thank you so much to, to Lucas Scott and I'm very excited to have you back, Rick. Uh, great, great to have you here. Um, thanks to Rick for editing and sound tonight. Uh, Charlie for the music, Kevin for social media, Lucas for Luke's locks, Kimberly for the logo. And as always the Atlantic bar grill. Uh, it's great to be back there and watching matches. Can't wait to start recording there again. I was just talking to Michelle about that this evening. Uh, when I stopped by the bar, um, find our merchandise at big head media, uh, and we're now back on both uh, Spotify and Stitcher, so find us there. Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes iTunes if you like our podcast, or give us a review wherever you get podcasts. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Spurs and our website at 4starspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs>